We started last week our new series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, Carol launched that, just an amazing introduction to Holy Spirit. And I'm going to share for approximately three hours, so a shorter message today, so we can leave the other three to just experience a little bit of what I want to share on. Um, but Carol is today in Bromfontein, ministering to our church there in, in, in Bromfontein, and they've got a great work going, so she's doing that, and uh, that's why she's not here. She is trying to be more like the Holy Spirit, but being in more than one place at once is something she's really struggling with getting. So pray for her in that area. It's very disappointing for her. But Dad, thank you for these amazing people here. Lord, they came. They made the choice to come to church today. And because of that, I ask that you'd reward them. I ask that students who have studied and have exams, they made the choice to put you first. I pray that you would bless them and bless their exams and bless their studies. And Lord, I ask right now that you would open eyes and hearts. Holy Spirit, you're the one with us. You've said whenever we gather, you're here. You're the one in us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, do something today that would cause us to know you better and desire and know how to press into making you our best friend. So I bless what you are going to share today through me. I look forward to hearing it. Amen. <laughs> Every time I preach, the Holy Spirit does different things. It's like, I had notes, you know. I, had, I, I did have notes. And he's like, yeah, but I had some better stuff. So it's always better to just like, I do prepare. It's just that sometimes Holy Spirit goes in different directions. So I try not to chase too many rabbits. Um, but sometimes we catch a few and they're pretty cute, you know. And pretty tasty. I, I mean, um, <laughs> Carol last week spoke about an introduction to the Holy Spirit. And I, I don't know, I shared in the first service about just how much Holy Spirit was involved in the early church. How many of you have read the book of Acts? Okay, how many of you know someone who's read the book of Acts? How many of you know that there is a book of Acts in the Bible? Okay, how many of you would not raise your hand no matter how many times I say Acts? Thank you, thank you. I see that hand. Touch them, Holy Spirit. So a show of big toes, uh, if you were stuck on a remote island, you know the picture of the palm tree and the coconut and it's just you and a couple of sharks, um, and um, you, all you have is the book of Acts and you read the book of Acts and you see how much Holy Spirit impacted through normal people. If you read the Gospels and saw that Jesus became a normal man, giving up his Godhead, that everything Jesus did and said was by the Holy Spirit. You would see Holy Spirit doing amazing things through the church. His presence, His power. They get filled with the presence, but then it says they get upstairs and they pray in the upper room. And again, Holy Spirit shakes the room, fills them with boldness. Ephesians, do not get drunk or wine. Be ever continuously filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. That's what the Greek means. And so we see Holy Spirit right throughout it. If you read the book of Acts and you think, man, that's amazing, and you get saved on that little lonely island, and now that you're saved, God sends a helicopter and He brings you back to civilization, and you walk into church expecting book of Acts. How many of you would be disappointed? <laughs> you see, the enemy worked very hard 
to get Holy Spirit and power out of the church. It took him approximately 350 years after Jesus to make the church a very tame man-made institution, and it stayed like that for thousands of years. Well, not thousands, but, you know, 1,500. We went through the Dark Ages where everything was lost. I mean, they took the Bible away. That's why it was the Dark Ages. And during that time, the church became a religious institution and lost everything that Jesus wanted it to be. Just nod your heads. I mean, how, I, I know none of you were around in those days. Any of you remember the Dark Ages? Mm -hmm. uh, that was Eskim's last load shedding, right? So we also experienced some Dark Ages here. But Lord, bless Eskim, less dark. But I want to say to you that God has been restoring since the Reformation. He started with restoration of biblical truth. And he, on biblical truth, he then started with restoration of the fivefold ministries. And the, the teacher was first, the understanding of the pastor and the evangelist was throughout the ages very strong. And only in the last hundred years has there been an emphasis on the prophet being raised up again. Most people had a very weird idea of what prophets were and shunned them for a long time because, no, we don't have prophets today. But now we do. Now it's normal. And this century is the restoration of the apostles. And the restoration of what God desires for the church is busy taking place. But the Holy Spirit and His activity in the church has only really been started to seen, uh, be seen on a broad basis in the last 60 to 80 years. So in light of what God's been doing on the earth, that's very short. Would you agree? We are a part. You are actually living in one of the greatest times to be alive. God is restoring His church to not just be like the book of Acts, but to be more glorious. In Acts, the apostles did the work. In the church, Jesus is coming back for everyone gets to do it. In Acts, they waited for Peter's shadow. In the, in the, in the church that Jesus is coming back for, all our shadows can do stuff. Jesus is coming back for a church more glorious than anything you've ever read about. We are in the restoration of that church. And if the Holy Spirit was so much a part of the early church, how much more is Holy Spirit meant to be a part of the Latter-day Church? Are you all hearing? Which means if Holy Spirit is not part of my current experience with Jesus and walk with Him, and His presence and power are not something I'm pressing into, then it means I need to start to get more used to Holy Spirit and pressing into Him and saying, Holy Spirit, I want everything you have for me because I want it restored to be the best you want. We're not looking at how it's always been done. We're looking at becoming the church Jesus is coming back for. And the church Jesus is coming back for, who's preparing the bride? Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit's all over the church in preparing us. And, you know, it was great having Jesus. Carol shared this last week that Jesus was amazing. We got to see Jesus heal everyone, cast out all the demons. Jesus preached amazing messages. He made food out of stuff that just didn't seem to be able to go anywhere. He walked on water. He did amazing things. And when Jesus said, I'm leaving, they were a little bit, you can't leave us. Jesus, you left us for just two and a half days and we nearly broke. What do you mean? You're leaving us. And remember what Carol shared last week? He said, it is better for me that I go. And so I want to remind you of these two scriptures that Carol shared last week. Firstly, Jesus said, Very truly, 
which means, just in case you don't believe me, very truly I say to you, it's better, you're good, that I'm going away. Because unless I go, the helper cannot come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That word helper is the word parakletos. Everyone say parakletos. Some of the Greeks would say parakletos. Any Greeks amongst us? Okay, parakletos. You all know a little Greek. <laughs> I know a little Greek. She lived down the road from me when I was growing up. Um, But it literally means my advocate, my helper, my comforter, my teacher. It's the word that the Romans used for your armor bearer who stuck with you in battle. No matter what you went through, he was there with you. And the Holy Spirit is not just with you. He's in you. Now, this is interesting. So, Holy Spirit's in me. And Jesus said this, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper, because I've been helping you up until now, to abide with you forever. Who? The Spirit of truth. And so the world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But when you come to Jesus, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly you have a changed life. How many of you remember when you got born again? It felt like pretty cool. It's like suddenly I'm seeing the world differently. There was Holy Spirit in me. But we so quickly get accustomed and take for granted who we have living inside of us that most Christians are not tapping into even a fraction of who lives inside of you. Would any of you agree with me? Just big toes. I know we're not in a hand-raising group right now. I noticed that. So when I say give me a hand, just a... You know, thank you, bro. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. But you know him. Why? For he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, it's up there. It's, it's right up there. This is a beautiful picture of the Trinity. Jesus, the Son, will ask the Father, and the Father will send the Holy Spirit to live with you and in you. It is important that we know who we have living inside of us. We are no longer just normal people that we used to be before we got born again. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, he finally could say to the disciples, the new covenant's now here. You don't have to go to the temple anymore. You are the temple. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And it says he breathed on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they were born again. They had the Holy Spirit in them. Holy Spirit was changing them, giving them a new nature. But then he said, hey guys, I don't want you to go anywhere until you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's his power that comes upon us, which means we must have both presence and power to experience the fullness of Holy Spirit. Just nod your heads. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you. I saw that nodding of a few big toes there. And we must remember who we have living inside of us. I want to just look at two phrases in these verses and then... <laughs> then we're going to do something exciting. But Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said, What is the hope of glory? It is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. We all want glory, and most people we sing, you know, When I get to glory in the sweet by and by, you have to sing it with a real selection while how y'all doing? And when I get to glory. 
Glory ain't a place you go to when you die. Glory is what he wanted to fill you with right now. Can I get an amen? And it's not just a little Holy Spirit living in you so that every now and then you can go, thank you, Jesus, that I've got my ticket to heaven. Right there, there's my ticket right there. No, actually, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will do what? He will give life. He will quicken your mortal bodies through the Spirit that dwells in you. In other words, we get power and we become different and I can do stuff I could never do before. Now, we see it throughout the book of Acts. But friends, I want to just be honest with all of you because I know you're, most of you sit in here have not experienced such an overwhelming sense of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And because we haven't seen it much and we haven't experienced it much because God's still restoring it to the church, we very often don't know what it looks and feels like or how to step into that. When you are seeing miracles all the time and you're living in that, then it's easier to step out and say, oh, that's how it's done here, I'll do it over here. I didn't see a whole lot of healings until I was around people doing healings all the time. And then I was like, oh, I can see. I remember when we first started seeing legs growing out, you know. That was the first miracles I saw. That I was literally, I was like, God still does stuff, okay. And we had someone on campus while I was studying my chemistry degree that we prayed for regularly. Leg about this much shorter. And one of our Every Nation guys came out from the States and said, well, let's pray for your leg. And he said, all the skeptics gather around. And we all gathered around. I wasn't there as a skeptic. I was a leader in the church. I was a pastor. But I was wanting to watch this leg grow out, man. And, and seriously, I'm not pulling your leg. Jesus, Jesus pulled that leg. And we watched it go. And I was like, cool. Now, skeptics were going, I got a leg one centimeter. And we were just like, legs growing out. And, and that was a miracle that I thought, that's easy. Because now I've seen so much of it. Everyone I prayed for who had a leg shorter than the other, their legs grew out. But, uh, you know, praying for someone who had cancer, well, I hadn't seen it, or blind eyes. And then I started to move around with Rob Rufus healing uh, seminars and stuff and watching blind eyes, deaf ears, uh, blind ears, deaf eyes. I mean, you name it. It was just. (laughs) But I want to say that as Holy Spirit is restoring it, what it means is that I must choose today to say, am I like the church Jesus is coming back for? Am I living the life that I see in the book of Acts that is for me? If not, it means I need to press in to have a little more of it tomorrow. And a little more tomorrow. And a little more the next day. It's not like I'm just going to, bam, be changed overnight. My journey with God has been, He takes me from one level of glory till I get it. To the next level of glory till I get it. Some of you are closer here to where you're going to start to see more that is like powerful. Some of you are starting here. Don't compare yourselves to the guys who are there. You just say, I want more of Holy Spirit here. Everyone hearing me. You level up where you're at. God's not so much concerned with how far you are. He's more concerned with the direction you're moving in. Okay? And so, He lives in us. And and. If He lives in us, and He is now the one with us, Jesus, where is He? He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Holy Spirit, where is He? He's in me. 
That means, is there anyone that you have follow you around everywhere you go? Everywhere. There's not, other than the Holy Spirit. I shared this, this story about Carol and I like five years ago. We'd been saying for a few years we wanted to do a cruise for our 25th anniversary. And so a few people heard that and, and they decided to give us a gift. So on our 25th wedding anniversary, they said, he has a cruise. And so we were like, oh man, yay. And these cruise, I, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise. I mean, it was just, we were so excited and, and we get into our cabin and the cabin is about the size of this uh, anyone ever been in one of those? We didn't get one of the big ones, but, you know, two little beds. If you put the cases down, you, couldn't sit, you didn't have a bed, so, you know, put the cases under the bed so you can have a bed. But tiny little space, and Carol and I were together in this place. We did everything together, and that whole week we were, like, intimately did so much for our marriage. We were just in love with each other, best friends. Let me ask you, if that would have been as great of an experience... If I related to Carol and spoke with her and befriended her as much as most of us do with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Who's married here? Or in a, in a relationship with someone that's here? In a, let me ask you, how would your relationship be if you related to this person as much as you relate to Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Give me a South African shaw. Met Asia. And that was something God challenged me on. He said, Andrew, you've taught on the Holy Spirit. Hey, yeah, lovely. I loved your teachings. Uh, you actually ran Holy Spirit seminar for, you know, many years running in the Bible school, but you don't know him. And I went on a journey to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to be my best friend. I want to know what it means to be led by you. And so, Holy Spirit, you know, it says those who are led by the Spirit don't give in to the sinful nature. So I was like, okay, next time my sinful nature wants to do something that is not God, I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? That's what he said. I said, how do I be led by you? He gave me this idea. So when I felt like picking up, I was very angry at one stage, and I had something that I was going to throw at the wall. And I asked Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and he will always give you something else to do. Next time you're tempted, why don't you say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Just start to bring him into your life. And he doesn't just come to church. He goes with you to work. He is the greatest engineer, the greatest teacher, the greatest doctor, the greatest lawyer. Whatever you are studying at university, he knows it better than you. There is no divide. Sorry, Jesus, this isn't church stuff. So... You know, I'll see you in my prayer closet tomorrow because I'm off to do maths. God's like, I design maths, you know. And so, he wants to be our best friend. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13. He said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Koinonia, that word, that is intimate relationship, communion with one another. Holy Spirit is meant to be your best friend. When you wake up in the morning, how about starting with, Morning, Holy Spirit, how do you sleep? Oh, you don't sleep. I go to bed at night, I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to sleep, but you don't sleep, so I want you to speak to my subconscious while I'm asleep. I want you to give me great dreams. 
I want you to look at the sermon I've prepared. And when I wake up in the morning, you're going to give me ideas that I could never have thought of. God, I got this test tomorrow. I'm going to, Holy Spirit, instead of lying awake anxious, I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, you and my subconscious, you work together. You remind that subconscious of everything. And then when I'm in that exam, you're going to help me. Make him a part of every part of your life. You know, um, Moses, the Bible says Moses spoke with God face to face. That's pretty cool, wouldn't you admit? Moses face to face with God. He would get up, he would go to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, which eventually became the temple. And he would go into the tent of meeting and God's presence was there and he would talk with God. Then he would leave the tent of meeting and go and implement everything God had said to him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But the Bible tells us, both in 2 Corinthians 3 and in Hebrews 8, I think it is, that what we have is better than anything Moses could have had. It's like, what? Because Moses let to get up and go to the tent of meeting. Now you are the tent of meeting. <laughs> Seriously, this was something God, I was like, God, you spoke to Moses face to face. I mean, I want that kind of relationship. He said, no, you don't. I, I do. He said, go to 2 Corinthians 3, 7. And, and it speaks about now if the ministry that Moses brought written on tablets of stone was glorious so that the Israelites couldn't gaze on his face because he was shining and wore a veil. He says, how much more so is the glory of the new covenant that will not pass away like the glory faded on Moses? And he said, if the glory that was transient was great, how much greater is the glory of that which is eternal that you are now walking in? It's like, don't ever wish to have that because you are now the tent of meeting. And why did Moses speak with God face to face? Because he chose to go there and speak to God face to face. Why do some people have a better relationship with the Holy Spirit than others? Because they choose to speak to Him. Because <laughs> they choose to be led by Him and bring Him into everything that they do. So Moses, he's taking them into the promised land. And God says, Moses, I like you. You're cool. But these guys that are following you, they just grumble, complain. I'm not going with you. That big angel, and he was a big angel if you read the Bible, this huge angel that is leading them into the promised land. Imagine if you had a huge angel standing outside your house all the time. Would you ever worry about crime? It's like, hey dude, thank you. This house protected by big angel. God said this to Moses. No signal input. God says to Moses, I'll send an angel before you. I'll drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Ittites, the Jebusites, the Parasites. Go up, but I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people. I might destroy you along the way. Moses says, we didn't, I, I didn't sign up to go to the promised land. I signed up for your presence. I'll have your presence in the wilderness rather than go to the promised land without it. Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from you. I'd rather stay in the wilderness with you than go into the promised land without you. And you know how many Christians would rather step into a bunch of promises and blessings without walking with God's presence and Holy Spirit. And yes, God's 
Christmas presents, birthday presents, gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to have them. He wants you to desire them. But sometimes we want those presents more than we want His presence. And so we move in the gifts and we move in the power, but you can have power without presence. You can move in the gifts without being led by the Spirit, without having the fruit of the Spirit. And we've seen this over and over. People who move in healings and miracles, and then they get exposed for leading a double life because they weren't being led by the Spirit in other areas. Are you, are you hearing me? Moses, David, they all wanted one thing more than anything else, the presence of God. David was the greatest worshiper of all time. Greatest worshiper. Wrote all the best songs on worship. And he was a man after God's presence. He wanted his prayer. He, he said, I would rather be a doorman at the temple than have everything in this world that it can offer. I would rather just hang out as close as I can to your presence. And so David took that and he said, how do I bring your presence to Israel? The presence was not just in the ark. Moses went to the ark, spoke with God. David realized something. Wait a second. I can get the ark and we can have the ark, but the corporate presence of God, how does it come? And he instituted 33 years where not a single sacrifice was made before the ark except a sacrifice of praise and worship. And he realized something, and you read the Psalms, about how the corporate presence of the Holy Spirit comes and changes us when we choose to worship God unabandoned. Whether that's through gratitude when I wake up, or thanking and honoring Him, or just the Lord's Prayer. Dad, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, hello. You are hallowed, that's how it starts. It doesn't start with, hello, I'm so bad, forgive me. It starts with, hallowed, you're amazing. You are great. It just means I glorify your name and who you are and what Jesus has done in my life. And then, as I worship him, it's not just something we do on a Sunday, but there is a corporate anointing that comes when we worship. How many of you have been to our encounter evenings? Yeah, quite a few. We have encounter evenings because we recognize that when we truly press in, in praise and worship, in spirit and in truth, that there's an inhabiting of presence that comes and so you know uh, when he talks about the spirit of truth jesus talking to the religious they said you say we must worship yeah then jesus answered and said hang on a second worship is not about a place or how you do it a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks if he's the spirit of truth then when you want to worship properly, you need the Spirit of Truth to help you to worship in spirit and truth. How does that, does that make sense to you? And I want to say this, the worship in heaven is amazing. I have experienced worship where the presence of God is so tangible. Has anyone seen band members moving before, just by the way? So let's just get over it. Band members moving. <laughs> moving band members. Okay, come back to the center. I've been in times where the presence of God was so thick in praise and worship as a corporate, when people truly choose to worship in spirit and truth, something happens corporately that brings an anointing that shifts your soul. David tapped into this for 33 years, 24 hours every single day. He had teams of Levites that would lead one hour a day, and that was all they did for 33 years. Divided into 24 teams, and the presence of God over Israel and the blessing on Israel during that time was greater than any other time. 
There is power in a people who will prioritize praise by the Holy Spirit. Dano McCullum talks about this, and Dano is one of my really good friends, one of the greatest guys I know. But he talks about Tehillah. Graham Cook teaches a lot on this as well. But Tehillah, he says, you are holy, you inhabit the praises of your people. That word praises means, is Tehillah, what does it mean? It means a spontaneous new song, singing from a melody in your heart, not the melody who's up front leading while she's singing. A special kind of singing, unprepared, unrehearsed song, singing straight to God. And I, I want to do one thing as we close today, is encourage you to step a little more into letting Holy Spirit lead you to sing not just from what's on there, but to just start to release some stuff from your heart. Would you, would you be prepared to press in a little more in that? and see what happens, see what God inhabits when you choose to do that. Dano wraps up with us. Corporate praise and worship is not just about us worshiping God and entering His presence. There's a prophetic power in worship to create atmospheres that have an incredible spiritual impact on the environment around us. True worship brings heaven to earth and causes a displacement of spiritual forces in that place. How many of you need some victories in your life? Maybe we need to stop going, God, please, God, please, to stepping up into heaven and saying, I'm just going to worship God. In Psalms, it tells us when I worship God, He binds my enemies with fetters of iron. It's the most powerful form of spiritual warfare, bringing the atmosphere, authority, and glory of heaven in such a way that darkness has to flee. And so we want to do some of that this morning. We want to bring His presence in praise and worship and I want to say, no matter how you, you, there is no pressure on you to praise in any way. I mean, if you feel comfortable on your knees or standing, raising your hands, whatever you are comfortable with, there's no prescription of what you need to do or don't need to do. All I'm asking you to do is say, Holy Spirit, I want to worship in spirit and truth. I want you to just stand and say this with me before we step in. And just say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth. Teach me how to worship in spirit and truth more than I have been. Holy Spirit, as I worship and release what's in my heart, bring your presence more and inhabit my life and this place with your presence.